Welcome to the Simply Resilient Podcast, episode number 90, Resiliency Training, Emotions, Week 1. My name is Jesse Ellertson, and I am a certified life coach and a military wife who is in the trenches of life with each of you. This podcast is for military wives who know how to handle the challenges of deployments and frequent trainings, but want to improve the experience that they are having in the process. If you are ready to thrive while your husband is away, then you are in the right place. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Resiliency Training Week 1 for our Emotions Month. Now, one thing you're going to see me use the word emotions and feelings interchangeably throughout this whole month, so just be ready for that. And today, we are just going to really cover the basics and the nice groundwork for everything to do with why emotions and feelings are so important and why we have a whole month dedicated to them. And so specifically this week, we're going to be talking about the difference between sensations and emotions. And we're also going to be talking about the ways that we think we're processing emotions, but we're not. And then what really happens when we do allow and feel and process an emotion. So that's what we're going to get into. Okay. So when you first start isolating out your feelings and learning about them in the framework of the model, we learn, of course, that our thoughts create our feelings. Typically, when we learn this, we think like, oh, I need to change all of my thoughts immediately because some of these feelings are so uncomfortable. Some of these feelings are negative and can feel terrible. And just my body is calling out to me to avoid some of these feelings. And that's that's a place to start. It's okay to change your thoughts in order to change your feelings. But almost like the next and more uh, sustainable layer to this is to just start to accept our feelings, accept our emotions, experience them and not be afraid of them, to stop judging ourselves, to just be more aware of what we're feeling. We want to guide our thoughts to create a little more of the emotions that we want to be experiencing, to then take the action we want to be taking and to ultimately create the results we want in our lives. But you're going to notice that almost gut reaction of this feeling feels terrible. So I'll just change my thought and not feel this feeling anymore. But I want you to explore with me the world that gets created when instead you say like it's okay that I'm feeling this I know it's happening because of what I'm thinking and I'm okay with both of these things I know that when I feel this this is what I do and this is the result that I get and I'm working on having this result in my life a little bit less but it's okay that I'm thinking and feeling this way right now I'm willing to feel it all that's what we're going to get into today is just that that willingness. So that, that's coming on, on the next page. So the reason that I want to start with the difference between sensations and emotions is because there's some really cool things happening here that when you understand it, it helps you in this process of easily being able to isolate what you're feeling, easily being able to isolate what you want to be feeling, easily being able to see where it's coming from and why, and also really helps you Again, with that willingness, that uh, learning to be less afraid and resistant of emotions, learning exactly where they're coming from and why, and, and why none of it's a problem, why all the emotions are okay, all the feelings are okay. We're always owning that we created them, and we're, we're really staying clear on, or really understanding what they create for us, living in those emotions, but we don't need to only feel positive emotions, only feel productive emotions. We just learn to feel them all and that it's totally okay. So we're going to start with this. It's important to understand that we have sensations and emotions. Now sensations are caused by our body. Another way to say that is they start in our body and then our brain recognizes them and we have thoughts about it. So in a model, I probably should have written out a model for you, but that's okay. 
you'll see that when we start with the C line, that's where our sensation would go. And I'll give you some examples here. Okay, so we can have hunger is a physical sensation that when it's caused by like a lack of food, okay? Fatigue is a physical sensation when it's caused by a lack of sleep. Feeling cold or feeling hot, feeling sick, like literally ill, unwell is a sensation or pain coming from a physical cause. Those are all the sensations. And so if any of those things are happening, they would go in your C line. And we want to be careful because we might think, oh, I'm feeling hungry. That would go in my F line. But the kinds of feelings that go in our F line are our emotions and they're coming from our thoughts. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you about that in just a second. So when we have a sensation, it starts in our body and then our brain recognizes it. And then we have thoughts about it. That's why it's in the C line. And then we have thoughts about it. And then we have a feeling. So for example, if we have a hunger from lack of food, then we might think something like, oh, I need to go eat right now. And then we might feel like urgent or we might think like, oh, it's been a long time since I've eaten. You know, again, this is from a lack of food. So for whatever reason, maybe you're fasting or maybe you uh, are on a road trip and you didn't pack any snacks. So you haven't eaten since breakfast and now it's dinner time or whatever. And so you're thinking it's time to eat, right? And then you might even feel hungry in your feeling line, but coming from that thought. So it's kind of interesting. We also might put something in the circumstance line, like one of these examples, for example, if we are having a headache, so we're having physical pain, and then we think like, I hate when I have headaches, and then we feel resistant, right? So we have thoughts and feelings about our physical sensations, and they go in the ceiling, okay? So now, that's, that's a little bit, that's pretty simple to understand, but now I want you to understand the emotion piece of this. So when we have emotions, they start in our brain as a result of our thought, and then we feel them in our body. That's why the... These are, it's important to understand both of these because one starts in our body and then we think about it and one starts in our brain and then we feel it in our body because we literally will feel a physical response to the emotion that we're having, but it started in our brain. It started with our thought. Okay. So it's caused by your brain. Oh, here's another piece that it's voluntary. Everything going on in your brain is completely voluntary. But when it's, when it's a sensation in our body, it's technically involuntary, meaning we can't lay in the snow with no coat on and not feel cold, right? The cold is an involuntary sensation that comes, okay? But no matter what is happening in our sea line, we can think any way we want and create any emotion or feeling that we want. So these are voluntary. It starts in our brain and then we feel it in our body. But as you all know, there are, there are some emotions that are a little more calm and then there's some emotions that are a little more intense and you can literally ache or literally shiver or literally and physically feel. We feel the emotion in our body. And the way we like to explain that or describe it in, in coaching is it's a vibration. We feel a vibration in our body that starts here and then we experience it in our body. So it's important to understand because it just gives us a little bit of leverage it helps us understand it. So as we increase our awareness, we know exactly what's going on. We watch it play out. We watch ourselves have a thought. Then we watch it create a feeling that we then feel in our body. And then we can be less like afraid, less resistant, less all the things because we understand what's happening. And it doesn't need to be um, unfamiliar or scary to us because it's the way it works. And that helps us understand it. Okay. 
So some examples of emotions, we, we talk about emotions a ton in the model, right? So some, you know, some like anger or excitement or stress, but then I want to get into a couple of these that can be a little confusing, right? Like a hunger can be in our, in our F line in the model, but this is the kind of hunger that starts with a thought and comes from things like boredom or from an urge to buffer, right? We might, we might literally feel hunger, pain, but not from lack of food, not from needing fuel and energy from food. It's from thinking I would give anything to not be feeling stressed anymore. I would give anything to not be feeling anxious anymore. And when I eat, I, my brain knows that when I eat, I escape that emotion for a short amount of time. So then my brain literally sends me physical cues, like physical hunger cues. It's pretty fascinating to understand. So this is two totally different types of hunger. We've got physical hunger and emotional hunger. Okay. Similar to fatigue. Okay. We've got physical fatigue and then we have emotional fatigue. Okay. We could be tired because we're bored, you know, similar to this one. We could be tired and we could be feeling tired because of the urge to buffer. When our body is experiencing that urge, it's saying like, we need to go do our buffer right now. And sleep is an incredibly effective buffer. So just like with food, our brain will send us the physical urge of tiredness. Think about how tired you can feel in a boring meeting or on a long drive or something and how you, you didn't do anything to like, you know, in those moments, you haven't just recently expelled a ton of energy and you don't have a lack of sleep. So you're just feeling tired because of boredom. You're just feeling tired because of the urge to buffer. Another one I listed here is depression because things like this can be, uh, can when we're experiencing something like this, depending on, you know, the way it's happening for you in your life, we can feel the physical need to sleep, even though there's no lack of sleep, right? We got enough sleep the night before. Maybe even we've already taken a nap today and we're still, our body's saying, go lay down, go close your eyes. I'm so tired. But it's the kind of emotion that started with the thought and then gave us a feeling and vibration in our body. So it's really important to understand. There's also one more like up here where we can physically be sick this way. We can physically feel sick, but it's a mental uh, unwellness that meaning we can, we can create nausea with our thoughts. Okay. So we can literally be sick, right? But then we can think of something like really unappetizing, or we can get so nervous that we throw up, right? There's ways to feel mentally sick. Isn't that interesting? So it's just kind of important because if we're not slowing it down and organizing it, we lose a little bit of the accountability and a little bit of the responsibility. We lose the fact that we create this every time. And even though this is involuntary, it happens to our body, right? It starts in our body. It goes in our sea line and we still have the ability to think what we want to about these sensations. So we really have uh, ownership and uh, like empowerment in, in each of these places. So I, I, I like to really work on that one with my clients, just get them really clear in this area so that they can understand all the places that they have control and just make it really clear for them to understand. Okay. So the next piece we're going to talk about is what to do with these emotions, particularly the uncomfortable ones. Okay. So it's important to understand what we usually try to do that's relatively ineffective and then what actually works. So right now, again, we're talking about 
typically we would categorize this as negative emotions, but I want you to think about it just a little differently. I want you to think about the word uncomfortable or unfamiliar. When we have emotions that come up for us that we have an urge to resist it or react to it or avoid it rather than allow it, those are typically emotions that either we don't have a lot of experience feeling, and that would make them very unfamiliar to us. That's the word I like to use. Or when we've felt them, it's we've had a negative we have a negative reaction to it. We have negative thoughts about that emotion. And so then that makes them uncomfortable to us. We've categorized them as an uncomfortable emotion. And so our body is saying like, this one's uncomfortable. Let's avoid it. This one's uncomfortable. Let's resist it. Let's ignore it. Let's react to it. And we slow all that down. And we say, when I resist it, here's what happens. When I react to it, here's what happens. When I avoid it, here's what happens. Neither of those three actually help me feel a feeling, learn to accept it, allow it, process it, move through it, and then allow me to develop that skill to feel emotions and what comes from that. We're going to get to that at the end. So we'll just spend just a minute here with what, again, what we're very commonly urged to do in these moments. So the first thing that we tend to want to do with an uncomfortable emotion is to resist it. And if you listen to the podcast episode that I recorded on negative emotions, I talk about my beach ball analogy and how it kind of applies to all of these things. So you'll see I have here, when we're resisting an emotion, it's as if we're keeping a beach ball under the water. So if we resist it, another way to think of it is to hold the door shut. So the emotion is knocking at the door, it's demanding to be seen, felt, acknowledged, something, and we're holding the door shut. It's almost like pushing against the door to try to open it. We're holding it shut or we're holding the beach ball underwater so that the surface of our water is clear and we're resisting it. Like it's not even happening. It's almost like avoiding it, but it's more of it. Avoiding is almost turning away from it where resisting is like physically, I mean, not literally, but it feels as if we're physically resisting the thing. Okay. So what's important to know and to watch for when when we're resisting an emotion is that we do not experience relief from the emotion. And in fact, it typically will grow. So as it's almost like it feels as if it's growing, but if you think of the beach ball analogy where we're holding a beach ball under the water and the amount of physical effort that that would take, right? And this is, uh, you know, back to our sensations and emotions. If we're thinking of physical effort, right? What I'm really saying there is emotional effort, Okay. It takes a certain amount of emotional energy to resist an emotion. So now just this parallel comparison is that I'm, it takes physical effort to hold a beach ball underwater and the beach ball is never going to stop pushing up. Okay. It's never going to stop trying to come up out of the water. Similar to our emotions that are demanding to be felt. Right. But the reason why it feels like the emotion grows is that we since the force up against us never stops, but our muscles fatigue, our physical muscles fatigue, as well as I love to talk about our mental muscles, right? So this amount of emotional energy we have comes from strengthening our mental muscles, but our mental muscles fatigue. They just do. They're not limitless. We're just human, right? So things fatigue. So as we're pushing down, our mental muscles are beginning to fatigue which makes it feel as if the pressure coming up toward us is growing, right? The, the emotion while, while being resisted is saying, 
answer the door, answer the door, answer the door. It's getting bigger, 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 right? But mostly we're just fatiguing. And then when that happens, typically, because it, it typically won't go away on its own. Sometimes in this scenario, I'll get to there. Sometimes we can avoid it long enough that it will almost like dissipate on its own, but it wasn't felt and you didn't increase this skill. It just sort of got satisfied in another way or, you know, went on its way. But with this one, typically it does not relieve ever (laughs) until it comes exploding out in a reaction is as often how we'll see this one relief. So we'll, we'll get to that in just a second. So you're watching for you to almost be lying to yourself that you're getting relief because look, the top of my water is still and flat. The speech ball is underneath. No one can see, right? So I'm pretending I'm getting relief from it or that it's not happening anymore, that it's not there, but it's exhausting. And I'm feeling a lot of things like I would describe it as tension, tightness, stress. You know, you're, you are working so hard to resist the emotion. And then again, it feels like it grows. And that's, that's the reason that it feels like it grows. So again, typically resistance will turn into reaction and a reaction is when we, we try, we resist, resist, resist. And then finally we're yelling, we resist, resist, resist. And finally, maybe we're screaming. I wrote crying here. And this one for me could go either way. Because I think crying can be a way that we feel and process and move through an emotion, but this would be a reactionary crying. Like I have no choice but to just cry and sob about this thing in a really big, dramatic way because it's the emotion has like come to a head instead of intentionally allowing an emotion and choosing to cry as a way to feel it and express it. That's, there's two kinds of crying there for me. So the kind of crying I'm talking about here is very reactionary. And what I want you to watch for is acting out your emotions. This is really interesting because we, we don't learn about emotions in this way. We tend to just observe the way we act out emotions, the way other people act out emotions. And then that's sort of our knowledge of emotions. We know that we feel it and that often it's uncomfortable We know what we do to avoid it. That's pretty effective. Like this is kind of the way we learn about emotions is very um, almost look to our past and see how we've handled an emotion or see how someone else has handled an emotion. And then we kind of know like, oh, that's the one to avoid in the future. But we don't look at it in this way where we're almost learning, learning about it very um, practically and non-dramatically and very factually in a way to empower ourselves to do what we want to do with our emotions to give us all the control, to give us the understanding and the power to observe ourselves and be more aware so that emotions are in our control rather than, I wonder if I like this one or not. Well, I didn't like it in the past, so I must not like it now. Or I wonder if I'm good at you know this other emotion, but last time it really made me yell. So I'm probably bad at feeling this emotion. You know, It's like almost just being like a victim the way we handled it in the past rather than deciding how we want to handle it today. That's why I really like learning about emotions this way. So sorry, back to acting out emotions. When you think about acting it out, that's the very visible way you see people experience an emotion, just like these examples, yelling, screaming, sobbing, crying, uh, you know, anger, violence. Those are reactions to emotion. But it's interesting to slow that down and realize like emotion, like we know it's a vibration in our body but the action comes next, right? The, act, the thing in the action lane comes next. So when we're feeling the true just core of the emotion, it's very still and very slow and very 
calm, calm might not be the right word, but I like the kind of the low drama. So that's when you can be really on to yourself. Like when I'm screaming and crying and I'm feeling very like high drama, I'm probably reacting rather than actually like experiencing the emotion. Another way to be on to yourself to see if this is what you're doing is that again, we're kind of getting the, this was kind of a false sense of relief. This is kind of a false sense of release. Like that's another reason why I really like crying is because we can physically feel like we've released something that we feel lighter after that was pressure. And then the pressure got released in a way that just really was just for us. Right. But we get a false sense of release when we act out the emotion and react to it because we do in a way feel like this, this tension and this pressure was relieved because we let the beach ball come up. So in a way we feel better because we're not holding it down anymore, but to again, slow that down and say, I never needed to push it under the water. I never needed to hold it down there until my mental muscles fatigued to the point where I had to let it come exploding out of the water. So while we do feel a sense of release and probably even relief, we tell ourselves the truth about that to say, I would never have needed to act these things out in this way if I hadn't done this whole process and created all that tension and pressure. We want to feel relief and release, again, in a very intentional way, just by choice to say, I have, you know, this grief inside of me. And when I cry, I let my thoughts come through, my grief thoughts, and I let my feelings, I feel them in my body, I experience them but not in any kind of a have to way. All of this is when we're in this place, we think like, I have to yell. I have to scream. I have to cry in order to get this release, but only because of the pressure. Okay. So it's, it can be subtle, but you can start to pick up your cues and your patterns to say like, oh, I know this is how it feels when I'm in this reactionary state. Another word I wrote here is indulgent. And whenever we're in that almost like have to place, we're taking our choices away from ourselves. And so that's very indulgent in my opinion. And very, uh, you could even say like childish, like think of a tantrum, right? Like a child throwing a tantrum in that moment, they're currently believing I don't like what's happening and I have no choice, but to kick and scream and lay on the ground and refuse and go stiff or whatever they do when they're in their tantrum. And this is like an adult version of a tantrum. And it's very indulgent because it's believing I have no choice but to behave this way. I have no choice but to act out these emotions. And what it really is, is to just take it one step back and to say, I had, I had choices all along the way. And I brought myself to this point where it felt like I had no more choices, but I always have more choices. And this is always more in my control than I think. So that's, that's what's important to know about these ones. Then the third one, I think is probably the one that we do the most. And I, this is pretty interesting. I wrote here that if this the way that we are living right now, this one is very culture. It's easy to do like culturally. It's very acceptable and easy to do to ignore, avoid, escape our emotions. And this one is very tempting because it's highly effective. We don't have to feel the discomfort, right? At least in that moment. Now, often when we avoid or ignore uh, an emotion that is asking or even demanding to be felt, right? Um, we do have that success in the moment where we escape the uncomfortable emotion because we've ignored it. We've, we've turned our back to it. We've pushed it over here. If you're back to the beach ball analogy, 
it's almost as if the ball is bumping into you, but you just keep your back to it. So you're pretending it's not there. If you're doing the like door shut analogy, it's like the, the emotion is banging on the door, but you put your headphones on, right? So you can't hear the knocking anymore. Or it's pushing against the door, but you push some stuff in front of it so that it, it'll, it'll just push and push, but like it can't get through, right? So there's, it's, it's weirdly like momentarily effective and your, your brain and your body learns that, learns those patterns of like this worked, but it didn't really work. And we're going to talk about why. Okay. So it's culturally relatively easy. It's also culturally relatively acceptable to do these things where we can avoid it, but it's irresponsible. It's irresponsible because we do not deal with it. We do not handle it. We do not feel it. We do not practice this skill of feeling things. And then ultimately we do not model for others how to feel things. We do. If there's anyone in our care, if we have children, we're not teaching them how to do it. We're teaching them how to ignore it. We're teaching them how to avoid it, how to escape it. And so that comes through these things, buffering, escaping, ignoring. And like I mentioned earlier, in a way it works because often the thing that is banging on the door, it will relieve in some other way. It will like enough time will pass that it's not an issue anymore. Or this depends on how, like how intensely you're doing these buffering, escaping, ignoring things, right? Sometimes we just ignore something for 30 minutes and then we take our headphones off and the thing is still banging at the door and it's demanding to be felt. And then we, we either do one of these things or we maybe at that point we're ready to allow it. But sometimes if we ignore it long enough, right, something else will happen outside of us that will cause the thing to relieve in its own way, or um, it will just come up in a different moment in a different emotion, right? Like stress over here and you ignore it might come up in this other area of your life and then get satisfied over here. If you, you know, if you, anyway, lots of ways that we sort of learn that this works, but really we want to be on to ourselves and tell us, tell ourselves why it doesn't work. It's always coming at a cost. That's what, whenever we talk about buffering, and I know we've spent lots of time talking about that. If you've done my buffering month in resiliency training, that buffering comes at a cost. And sometimes the cost is very apparent. Sometimes it's more subtle but I think one of the greatest costs that come from, from this whole coping mechanism in general is not developing this skill. So that's what no, we're going to get into this now. So I can show you what comes when we don't do these things, even if we have the urge to do these things and then we start to do them and that's when we catch ourselves. That's okay. We can be like in the middle of resistance and then remember like, Oh, I don't need to hold this door shut or I don't need to hold this beach ball down when I choose to just let it come up before I've been forced to let it come up because I fatigued, that is still a very intentional choice and brings us to this kind of practice and we'll get better and better each time. Even if we realize like, Oh, I, it, it's, it snuck up on me. I didn't realize I was buffering. I'm, I'm onto myself. I've ignored this thing that I need to think about and process and feel in my body. And now I'm going to choose to feel it. It's okay. If we're partway into one of these, and then we, we catch ourselves, we're onto ourselves, and we bring ourselves back to this. Eventually, the more we practice, hopefully we'll be able to, in the moment, when the, when the emotion comes knocking, we'll, even if we still think like, oh, I could avoid it. And they're like, no, it's okay, I'll just allow it. Oh, I could resist it. No, it's okay, I'll just allow it. So at whatever part you're at in your journey is okay. 
and, and there's even going to be emotions where like, oh, now I'm really good at feeling stress, but I'm still pretty bad at feeling anxiety. When anxiety comes up, I go right to here or right to here. Right. But when stress comes up and it comes knocking, I've, I have more practice with stress now I'm getting better at stress. So there might even be like emotion to emotion that you're good at this one and bad at this one. And then you can kind of start to just lovingly and gently work on this one. So just kind of accept yourself for wherever you are in the journey. Okay, so the thing that we want to do is allow the emotion. There's a couple of words I've been using here with this, and it's like accept or process the emotion. And in our analogies, this is where we open the door. We let the emotion come in. We say, there you are, anxiety. Come on in. I got you. It's uncomfortable. I don't prefer to be anxious, but I'm willing to feel anxious. This is, this is a really key word for me. It's not that when we say we're good at it, it's not that we're like, hooray, it's time to feel anxious. It's that as we practice, we're increasing our willingness to feel the thing, okay? So we open the door, we let the thing come in. We're not letting it run the show. We're not letting it force its way in. We are opening it up, opening the door, letting it come in. We are, you know, feeling that urge to push the beach ball down. And instead we're saying like, it's okay. We, you can just be in the pool with me, beach ball. You can just be here. And sometimes you're going to float right in my face and sometimes you're going to be kind of over here while I work on something else, but you can just be in the pool with me. It's totally fine. Another great analogy with this one is that uh, emotions, particularly uncomfortable ones, the ones we're wanting to avoid, they start coming toward us like a wave. And that urge to resist it is because we're worried or, or to avoid it is because we're worried what the wave's going to do to us, right? We have stories. We have concerns in our mind that when this wave comes, it's going to crash on me. It's going to take me down. It's going to, you know, whatever it's going to do. And then our body's like alert danger. This emotion is dangerous. So I have to do these things so that the wave doesn't get me. But instead, as we practice, this is another key word here, practice. As we practice just letting the waves come and go, and we are willing to be out in the waves, which is just the human experience, right? We don't need to buffer so much against the human experience because we know that as the wave comes up, we're in the wave. And for the most part, it just continues on by. The wave comes and it goes, we ride the wave for however long it takes, but the more practice we get and the more willingness we feel to experience the emotion, the, the milder the waves are, the calmer they are. Think about a crashing wave, the thing we're worried it's going to do. Typically, that's this explosion that took us down. And we know how to avoid this. We avoid this by not creating so much of this, by doing less of this, okay? And that is what, when, when we think to our past and we think, oh, the last time I felt grief, I didn't leave my room for three days and I didn't eat and I didn't, you know, whatever it was. But that story we have is typically because we resisted and avoided the grief until we were at a breaking point and then we reacted to it and we acted it out and it took us down. The wave took us down. But when we're on to ourselves here and we do less of this, or at least like once we get started into it, we realize that's what we're doing and we bring ourselves here we can just let the wave come. Our body will rise, the wave will rise, and then it will pass on by and we will have experienced it and we'll be on the other side of it. And then we'll start having a lot of stories like this. We want to build up this treasure trove of stories where the wave did not take us down. We felt it. It was uncomfortable. 
we might even prefer to like never feel it again, but we'd be willing to because we know it doesn't take us down. Okay. And that just comes with a lot of practice. We have to build up those stories. If we mostly have these kinds of stories, that's when we're terrified of the waves, right? Okay. So what can come from allowing an emotion where we feel it, open the door, let it in, is that we really get to a place where we learn to observe ourselves. Often feeling an emotion, again, like I said, is very low drama. It's often just calling the emotion by name, accepting that it's happening to you, refraining from judging yourself for having it, feeling it, thinking thoughts that created it. And a big part of it can be really identifying how it feels in your body, saying those words to yourself. When I'm feeling stressed, my shoulders feel really tight and heavy, almost like I couldn't stand up. I notice that my stomach, you know, when I'm, when I'm feeling grief, my stomach is like a pit. Like I feel the physical pain in my stomach from this emotion, but I know it's not a sensation. It's an emotion. It's a vibration in my body coming from a thought and a feeling. So we, we just learn to observe ourselves and call everything by its name. That is really all that's involved with experiencing an emotion. It's just letting it be. This increases our awareness. Whenever, when we can see all of these things happening at whatever point and whatever emotion we're feeling, we are more aware and we're in a position to observe ourselves and just start to accept and speak it all out loud. And that is exactly what makes the wave just come up and go past. Okay. Uh, so like I said, very low to no drama. It's, it's the opposite of this acting it out visible. It's, it's visible for almost nobody. And that is not us avoiding it or resisting it. We see it. We see it. We feel it. We accept it. We observe it. We're aware of it. It is completely harmless. This is a belief that can take some time to work on that. How, how could something that caused me you know, it took me down and I had, you know, I have physical responses to it, right? It's uncomfortable. How could that be harmless? We can think of the worst thing that we're worried about happening or the worst thing we've ever felt. And it doesn't feel harmless. But as we slow it down, we start to see that all that ever happens from a feeling is a vibration in our body. And we can handle that. Even the worst ones, even the worst ones. And as we increase our practice and our skill and our willingness to feel it, even the worst ones become less painful, less explosive, less dramatic, less of a crash, less of a, you know, less of a, this huge experience. We just work our way through it. We accept it and we let it be, and it makes it more tolerable, less, less uncomfortable. So that's the word I want to come back to really quickly. Um, I'll just finish this line that to, to start to believe that every single emotion that exists is truly physically harmless to us. There is no danger. Okay. That's really key. And that all it is, is a simple vibration. It may be, it may feel like maybe an intense vibration, but simple here means that it's simply a vibration, right? That it's not more complex than that. You can still have a big emotion or sorry, a big, uh, intense experience with it, but it's simply a vibration in your body. And then that acceptance is crucial. So when we learn to accept and believe that emotions are truly harmless, that's when we really have a lot of power to 
not go to these coping mechanisms because all three of these things are coming from you currently believing that emotions are dangerous. Your body has this fight or flight, right? Response to danger. And you get that same cue of danger when you, when you have an emotion coming your way of that you, that you currently believe is dangerous because you haven't spent time believing that emotions are harmless. And these come so strongly when you believe that danger is coming. These ur- the urges to do one of these things, three things come on so strongly. So as you really lean into this belief, you're going to have even more power and control over it. Maybe it'll just be a slight urge to do these things. And you'll be able to say like, it's okay. I don't need to avoid it. It's not dangerous. I don't need to resist it. It's not dangerous. It's harmless. I'm willing to feel it. One other piece I wanted to uh, describe here really quickly is back to what we were talking about at the beginning. I've talked about this in other weeks, but I just want to touch on it again. It's so important. Uncomfortable really just means unfamiliar. So the very cool thing you're giving yourself here is that as you become more familiar with negative and even what you would label as uncomfortable emotions. And that comes through the practice. You'll start to become, this will start to become rather than unfamiliar, it'll start to become familiar, which will naturally lead to comfortable. Now I'm not saying that you will enjoy or even like seek out the things you used to consider to be uncomfortable but they will just be so much less, there'll be so much less of an alert in your mind when it's coming because you're more familiar and you're more comfortable with it. It becomes less uncomfortable to you. It's really pretty fascinating. It's a little bit like an analogy I thought of the other day was what your brain does when you're, you know, going back to the sensations and emotions, what your brain does when you are uh, in cold water, like say you jump in the ocean, right? Your brain kind of panics, like I'm physically cold, I'm having a physical sensation, and your brain is like, we got to get out of this cold water, right? We got to get back somewhere warm, okay? But as long as it's not Arctic water, right, as long as it's just chilly, but not like dangerous for you, like literally dangerous, uh, then if you stay in the cold water, you will adjust, right? You will become more familiar and more comfortable with the cold water to a point where even though you probably still choose warm water over cold water in that moment, you're not uncomfortable. You're used to it. You've adjusted. And that's just the more you practice these negative, uncomfortable emotions that you're used to doing these things with, or having a very strong urge to do these things with the easier it all gets. You become more practiced at this. You develop this skill. Everything becomes more familiar and less uncomfortable. It's, it's really pretty amazing. Okay, so the last piece I want to mention here before we wrap up for this week is this, as you develop this skill to feel your emotions, not only are you developing it for yourself, but you're, you know, modeling it for not not for other people, they get to do their own emotions. But if there's anybody you're in charge of that you're teaching, right, they're going to see that in you, they're going to learn how to feel their feelings a little bit better if that's what you're modeling for them. So the main reason we do it is for ourselves, but there's some bonus in there that other people particularly those within our influence will benefit from us developing this skill and living here in this skill and in this place as much as possible. But when you get to this point where you're willing to experience any emotion, any emotion, the life you begin to lead is incredible because you no longer 
avoid experiences because you're, you don't want to experience the emotion that will come along with it. You no longer have to be like resistant of what's happening in your brain or reactionary. You don't have to do these things anymore because you know how to feel it. You know how to feel it. And your life becomes the, the most genuine version of that you could create for yourself because you start to do what you want to do, no matter what emotion comes with it. You start to live as the person you want to be, no matter what emotion comes from it, because you're well, you've created every single emotion and you're willing to feel it. You don't have to change all these things in your life to make sure you're just on this easy path. You're willing to feel the good and the bad. You know, you created it all. You have all the responsibility and all of that's okay. It's so good. You guys, it's a really cool place to, to head towards. I don't need any of you to be like, I've arrived. I just want you to know, like for me, this is the destination. I take one emotion at a time. A certain experience will come up that will show me like, oh, this is one that I'm still totally categorizing as uncomfortable. And I have really strong desires to do all of these things. And, and we don't arrive, right? There's so many emotions that it takes a long time to practice them all. I just want you to set this as that GPS destination way down the road. I'm taking one emotion at a time and I'm working on having a willingness to feel it because I, I like the life that comes along with a willingness to feel and experience any emotion. Super cool, you guys. I'm excited for you. Please let me know if you have any questions and I will talk to you next week. Thanks. Ready to take what you are learning here on the podcast to the next level? Then check out my new video course, Resiliency Training. This year-long course of weekly video classes is the perfect way to increase the efforts that you are already making when it comes to improving your deployment experience and making your mental health a priority. We can all use a little help sometimes to get through the difficulties of military life, and that's exactly the boost this course will give you. Sign up on my website, simplyresilient.net. I can't wait to work with you.